episode 249, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. season 5, episode 16, Inside Voices. Welcome to level 7. A podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Hello and welcome to welcome to Level 7, a podcast about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That means Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. That means Marvel movies that are in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and other ones. That means Netflix series when we can. That means Hulu series, Runaways. That means all sorts of different things. But right now it means we're going to talk about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I'm here with Agent Samantha. Welcome back, Agent Samantha. Thanks for showing up. Thank you very much for having me back. Thank you for not ditching me like like Stuart did to do like real life stuff that <laughs> I thought about it. What? Wait, what? <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm oh, kidding. Okay. I'm kidding. Um actually he's he's doing a play this week, I think. And yes. uh Yeah, I'm it's pretty exciting. He's he's pretty excited, but he's also really working hard this week. This is dress rehearsals week. This is uh, tech rehearsal week. This is all the the big bad we have to run through this twice in a night. The whole thing kind of week. So I think it we we can forgive Stuart, I guess, for for not showing up for this episode. Well, he's very involved with his kids and this is their play, so Well, he's he's in it. Oh, he's in it too? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm pretty sure. He didn't tell me that part. I, yeah, yeah, I think he's a part of it too. But uh, yeah, it's it's a big deal, and uh, we're excited for him. Um, but I'm also excited to talk about this episode. So let's. Well, he's not here to do news with us. Uh, that, oh, what are we going to do? I don't know. I can play the sounder, but then I feel like we're going to be rudderless as we go into the news segment. But we'll give just, it a shot. Just- Play the sounder. We'll give it a go. Shield intelligence report. Um, okay. Boy, it's been a while since we've done this without him. Um, there is no news. <laughs> so I guess that makes it a little bit easier, right? Yeah. <laughs> Avengers is coming. Yes. The the movie, if, if you weren't aware of that. And if you are wanting to, you know, get yourself ready for the Avengers by watching through all the other movies, or by listening to people talk about all the other movies, you can go to welcome to level com and you can listen to the welcome to the infinity initiative episodes. Um, and you'll hear a lot more Stuart there. He, he's not here right now, but you'll hear him there. You'll hear Samantha, you'll hear me, you'll hear some other voices. And so that's one thing people could do. Um, yeah. So, but it's not really news anymore because we've been doing it for a couple months. The news is you have homework to do, listeners. You got to go listen to Welcome to the Infinity Initiative. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yes. <laughs> good, good enough. And with that said. And wow. chances are, if you were like a lot of people I know <clears throat> myself, um, you didn't. You're not going to do it. <laughs> no, I am rewatching the movies as, as um, Stuart goes through and um, interviews people. Um, about it so i am doing my homework this time yeah but just listening to the episodes is also i mean that's that's enough 
you know, you'll get reminders of remember this episode, what it did. Um, every episode he does a, a recap of where the Infinity Stones are as of that movie. And yeah, it'll lead right up to the Infinity War. Man, that's coming. It's going to be big. It's yes. going to be huge. Yes. Enormous. I already have my ticket. I don't. But we've already talked about that. So. Yeah. <laughs> Let's, shall we move on then? <laughs> Yes, let's go. We're just going to breeze right through this episode. Oh, yeah. Uh, (laughs) Let's do it then. Let's talk about uh, Inside Voices. Love the title. Mission Report. All right, Samantha. How did you feel when you saw the previously on and they actually showed Professor Gravitron? They showed, oh, I can't remember his name. Dr. Hill. Yes. They showed him. You heard him. Now, this is before the episode started, but that was my only note right there was just Professor Gravitron. (laughs) And I'm thinking if they reference him in the previously on and show his face in the previously on, something's got to be going on here. Yeah. So so for those of you. That's how I was feeling. Yeah. 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 And for those of you who can't remember, who's he from? What? Huh? Um, season one, episode three, the asset, uh, that's the episode where we meet Dr. Hill and he's dealing with the gravitronium and he gets sucked into it. So there's your other piece of homework. You got to go back and watch that episode again. (laughs) If you didn't a few weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a big deal and we just kept waiting for him to come back and waiting for him to come back and waiting for him to come back. (laughs) And it became one of those things where, you know, it's one of those dropped balls almost that that we were wondering, are we ever going to see him come back? We don't have to, except they teased him. That was the thing is they teased a hand coming out of the gravitronium when gravitonium, when uh, he, he, after he gotten sucked in, they teased that he's in there and he's not gone. And so it became one of those things that every once in a while we'd bring him up. We'd say, Hey, you remember when, Hey, what about this guy? we bring him back that's why i got very excited when i saw previously on but i have to say i got more excited as the episode went on oh yeah i it's Me a silly too, thing right? it's a silly thing but we all have touch points to different things we've experienced you know like i'm, I'm listening to some godzilla podcasts right now where the guys on that podcast they say you know doesn't matter how bad the, if you're a fan of Godzilla, it doesn't matter how bad the first Godzilla movie is you, that you saw. It's special to you. And that's something similar for me with Gravi- Professor Gravitron is he was in some comics that I had when I was in junior high and buying comics on my own. And so he's a character that is a touch point to my comic book story. And to see him show up on the show was cool enough. But to see him possibly return. And also, I now have a new theory about how Coulson, uh, about Yo-Yo's prophecy to Yo-Yo about Coulson, don't save Coulson. Hmm. Should we save this for later? Yes, but I will, we will, we will talk about it because, yeah, it's, it's a new take on, on, on the, the danger that Coulson is in. We'll, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. So, um. Well, there's something I don't want to save for later. Then let's not save it for later. 
And that is? Did you catch who directed this episode? I did not. I, and, and here's why. I've been purposely not trying to, trying to not see who is guest starring in the episode. So I don't get spoiled that so-and-so is going to be on the show in that episode. She's not a guest star. She's the director. Yeah, but I'm not looking. I'm purposely trying to not oh. read the credits uh, as they're rolling during the you know act one or whatever. Okay. Yeah. Well, the director is Sally Richardson Whitfield, which if fans of Eureka know her as Allison Blake from Global Dynamics. I... You you haven't seen Eureka? I've seen two episodes. And I like uh, them a lot. And then whatever I was w- using to watch it, it got pulled off of that. So I don't know if it was Netflix. I think it was Netflix. Oh, okay. Yeah, they, they pulled it. and Because that was something my wife and I actually watched those two episodes together. And she enjoyed it. Um, you missed Stan Lee saying Excelsior. That's the show where the whole Excelsior thing comes from, as far as I know. Stan Lee saying Excelsior? That's that's yeah. a that's an old thing. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, him him he, saying he it on makes the show, a cameo appearance. <laughs> yeah, him saying it on the show. That's that's him saying. I mean, that's his catchphrase from uh, comics oh, in the seventies and and sixties. Yeah, it's okay. It okay. goes way back. I'm, I'm sorry. I am showing how. Um, I guess I'm showing my age with all my geekdom. <laughs> yeah, that's. It's not that I'm not geeky enough. It's just I'm showing my age. I am sorry. Or am I showing my age? I'm showing my age. I'm very young and naive in this situation. Um, But the point being, I wish I could watch it. And I just didn't finish it when I had the chance. And so, yeah. But when you do have the chance, you have some homework to do, mister. (laughs) You're just handing out homework left and right. Yes. Well, Stuart's not here to do, you know, the, the, the repeating joke. So, well, yeah, that's my homework. Your homework is to give us homework. Yes. Okay. Fair. Yeah. It's fair. I, I, I can live with that. I I can't promise I'll do the homework, but I, I can live with you giving it. Yeah. Okay. So, um, you ready to talk about the opening cold open sequence here? Yes, let's go for it. All right. It's kind of an interesting setup that they have going on here. Creel is given the opportunity to touch Gravitonium and take on its properties. And Hale is talking to him like, you know, I'm, I am offering you the, the, the chance to transform into a hero. And as she's talking to Creel about that, Ruby is realizing that she's, she's going to be skipped over for this great power. Um, but they're not doing the the chamber yet. Uh, instead, Creel's just going to touch the stuff, and he does. And the gravitroni- gravitonium, oh my goodness, Professor Gravitron, it's gravitonium though. Uh, but gravitonium tries to pull him in, and he starts floating, and he's yelling, and he's nervous, and then he, he sees and he hears things. And uh, when, when he comes out, and they... They get him out. He has all his limbs. Uh, nothing gets pulled in <laughs> in any scary way. Uh, but he he simply tells Hale that the gravitonium is alive. And it's exciting. <laughs> so my inner Tigger here, if we're going to use the <laughs> metaphor, um, you know, my, my, my inner Tigger just waits until the thing happens. 
and then starts bouncing around inside very gently, but very <laughs> excitedly. And oh, no, 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 just excitedly. <laughs> Don't say gently. No, no, it's just a, it's just a quiet little bounce, you know. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, I'm, I'm getting excited because there's some really interesting opportunities here for storytelling and with Creel touching the, the gravitonium and, um, you know, we'll get into the lasting effects here, but just that it's alive. This does what a cold open should do. It draws you in, gets you interested and sets up, if not a mystery, um, but it sets up the idea of, okay, you want to know what's going to happen next. And you want to know what this means. And we don't get all of our answers, but I definitely want to know what this means. This is cool. It was a really cool open. Uh, it wasn't a cold open. It was a cool open. <laughs> yeah. 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 Just a, just a nice, gentle, cool open. It's yeah. like a gentle, cool breeze or a gentle bouncing of a tiny tigger. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. All right, so we're going to break this up a little bit differently by actually by breaking it up the a couple different ways. And the first thing we're going to do is just talk about Act 1 then because this is giving us the setup for our team. And this Act 1, it's setting up some issues for our team that I'm, I'm concerned about. Um, we start out with Yo-Yo punching a punching bag, uh, just like Captain America. I, I just had flashbacks to uh, Avengers when Captain America was punching his punching bag, and she gives that final punch. Doesn't knock the punching bag off, but it goes pretty high up in the air. Um, she's pushing herself hard, and Mac is pushing her to slow down a little bit. So that's one dynamic we have going on. Deacon Fitz is another dynamic. They're still at odds. Um, Deke, though, respects what Fitz did um, using the robots to, you know, hold them at gunpoint. And um, he says, you know, when I lived here in the future, this is the way I lived. It was play the long game and kill or be killed. Um, and then Deke says a couple different times, uh, ever since she's been in charge, Daisy's been kind of a hard ass, which I don't know how I feel about. Mm. that that whole thing and there's some really awkward weird line readings too um because he says uh to to fitz ever since she's been in charge daisy's been kind of a hard ass and then fitz is just i noticed and it and then it cuts away to the scene and they do the same thing with simmons um they're, they're some weird line readings but simmons she finds deke and she's trying to get information about her future and when he tries to tell her what he does know, some specifics, she's like, no, it's best not to know too much. But she does get out of him that, as far as he knew, they were both healthy. Uh, Fitz and Simmons were both healthy. As far as he knew, Fitz and Simmons were um, were fine. And then, he, like I said, he, he talks about Daisy again. Um, Daisy is still getting ready to leave to find Robin. She has not left yet. And she and may are kind of having a back and forth there about that. She and may also have a back and forth about what Simmons wants to do because we are, we now have a team at cross purposes here. Fitz has info on a Hydra weapon. Simmons wants to let Fitz out so they can find this Hydra weapon. Daisy is going to find Robin so that Robin can help her find Colson. And when she leaves, she leaves Mac in charge, and Mac and only Mac can let Fitz out. So Simmons, Yo-Yo, and Fitz have a little head-to-head, and they're all on the same side. Fitz needs to come out. They all agree on that. And they also all agree that Fitz is invincible. 
And Simmons has a plan to get Fitz out, but she needs Fitz's trust. And Yo-Yo says, he'll stop us, talking about Mac. And this is where Simmons says, no, he'll try. So this is where our team is at right now. You can't get much more fractured than this. And it's concerning. And I don't, I don't like it necessarily. But we talked about how Simmons was kind of on board with what Fitz did with Daisy. This is almost worse. I don't know. Because it's our here, it's our group of heroes fracturing. Well, it's our group of heroes fracturing, fracturing, but also Simmons, Yo-Yo, and Fitz aren't exactly acting heroic. And this is all foreshadowing here. We're we're not into what they're actually going to do, but what they're talking about is they're going to do something with Mac that's not going to be good for Mac. And we'll find out exactly how not good it is later, but. But what is it that Deke said that it might not have been the right thing, but it was the, it's what they had to do, what he had, the choice he would have made because it, they, it was the choice necessary to survive. Yeah. Something, something like along that. that line. Yeah. And, and he respects Fitz for that. He, he respects Fitz for that, but yeah, it's, and Fitz didn't want to do it. He had to do it. You know, at least that's what he's, I think, telling himself. And, and that's what we've gone back and forth about too. Um, because yeah, I mean, what if, what if the rift is what destroys the earth? Mm. You know, and, and now it's kind of clear that it's not what was going to destroy the earth, but that was the question they were asking themselves. Also, there's the whole idea of the fear dimension. That's scary. And <laughs> Um, and it was going to go up into the town and, but we, and we've had this conversation before. Um, what, no matter what though, it's, it's kind of horrific what happened, what they did, what happened to Daisy. Um, but is forcing her into this position worth the, the well-being of the people above? I, that's what the show is about right now is making those hard choices and also being glad that you don't have to make those hard choices. <laughs> so, and, and I am, I, I, it's good. We can talk about those things, but we're, and that's what I, you know, that's what story is good for. They say dreams are you in your mind kind of sorting through how you would respond to certain stimuli. At least that's part of what bad dreams are. And, I think story is is something similar to that, where you can kind of watch and say, okay, if this is how they're doing that, what would I have done? And then when you're in a situation that's hopefully not as dire as, you know, saving the whole world, um, you're going to ask yourself, well, what does this mean for the person that I'm doing this to? What does this mean for the persons that are affected by if it doesn't happen or it does happen? And that's one of the good things about stories. So anyway, yeah, those are some of the, the deeper issues that stories can bring up. And, and it's good, you know, to think through those things and wrestle with them out, outside of a context that's, that has higher stakes. Yeah. Well, do you want to wrestle with some context that or some details that are within context and are not nearly as high of stakes? <laughs> sure, yeah. 
something a little less less deep and a little less uh, um, depressing, maybe. <laughs> yeah, a little less existential. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so on Sunday, uh, I was in my I was at church and with my women's auxiliary group and. Um, the the other women were talking about raising children and having this dream of having family and and that once you have the children and reality sets in your kids are nothing like what you expect and all the ladies in the group were talk were thinking about their kids and me being childless I immediately went to Fitz and Simmons <laughs> and Deke <laughs> and I realized that Deke is not the grandchild that Fitz was hoping for but that's what he's what he has. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. That's very true. Um, and I would agree with uh, with your um, women's auxiliary group. Um, your child will not be what you expect your child to be. Ever. Because they're a human being that's going to become something that just irritates the snot out of you, even when you just would do anything, anything, anything for them. Uh, especially when they become teenagers. Ooh, man. And that's basically what Deke is right now. I mean, he's a 31-year-old teenager. <laughs> <laughs> or 50-year-old. I don't know. Eh, who I knows? Give who knows? We, I we, give up. <laughs> we do have some feedback about the age stuff. and We'll, we'll, we'll get into that. But Okay. Um, <laughs> it's true, though. It is not what fits. Oh, I, I feel bad for Deke, honestly. Um but yeah. I, I don't feel bad for Fitz with this. Um, but I do still believe Fitz will warm up. He will oh, warm up. Yeah. He has to. I mean, in the future, he um, Deke ends up with Fitz's um, y- utility tool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he does. And, and, yeah. But again, and, well, but then again, that might just get inherited because Deke doesn't really he doesn't remember Fitz and Simmons. He so he, yeah, he he may not have ever met them, except for maybe as a, as a small small child. Yeah, so he doesn't remember Nana and Bobo. <laughs> Bobo, where did those names come from? <laughs> I don't, well, I mean, babies, you know. <laughs> oh my goodness, Nana! I, I can I can imagine, but Bobo—that's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> that's also, you, too funny. <laughs> Deke also said he didn't know their names because Shield was went underground and they changed all of their names. Yeah. That was an interesting detail. And I'm curious. I mean, if we're in the broken time loop, we may never find out exactly all the details there. Uh, But if we are in just the regular time loop, yeah. What does that mean? And how Mm. does that work with the world getting destroyed and them hiding in the lighthouse? I don't know. And I don't think Simmons knows that she's pregnant yet. Well, that's because she's in the TV show. And when <laughs> you're when you're watching the TV show and you see someone, you know, puke. I mean, it's shorthand. Yeah. It's it's shorthand. When you're in the TV show and you puke, you, you just think you're puking. But you know, she doesn't have the meta knowledge that we have. That you have someone talking about family. And then throwing up, yeah. I mean, she's 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 expecting. That's true. I mean, the last time I was sick, that did not mean I was pregnant. It meant I had a virus. Yeah, so. same with me. I mean, yeah. totally. I, last time I was sick, uh, did not mean I was pregnant. 
Um, but there's <laughs> there's certain things though you see on TV, and you know one is uh, if it's an old fashioned TV show, you know like a Doctor Quinn or a Little House on the Prairie, and someone coughs into a white handkerchief, there will be blood on it, and that means they're dying. And if if a female throws up, especially after talking about family, um, that means she's pregnant, and and that's how you get pregnant on those shows is you talk about you talk about family. Um, at just the right moment and, and suddenly you're, you're just going to be pregnant because yep. TV. <laughs> so, TV. Although Deke brings it up. <laughs> like, like you don't say it to your grandma, you know, he's like, uh, yeah. yeah, so you'll, you'll, yeah, my mom will, will be born as long as you and Fitz. And I think he realizes it trails off. Like and, yeah. and, and Simmons just gives him a look like, are you really talking about this right now to me? <laughs> yeah. Like I said, teenager, you know, he just doesn't have a filter. <laughs> yeah. I love teenagers. Do not get me wrong. I love them. They can irritate me immensely, but I do love teenagers. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, I've got three of them. Four? No, three of them. One of them's not a teenager yet. She's a preteen. I've got three of them under this roof right now, and I love them all very dearly. Just want to get that out there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but also, um, Deke comes from a world where it's rare for someone to have a baby. Mm-hmm. And so the significance of, you know, that could just happen um, – when there's no control, like yeah, no yeah. like social or, or or crowd control with um, who gets pregnant, that's huge for him. That has to be. Yeah, yeah, and the other thing is just the value of human life, where he came from. Yeah, where he can say, "I I I respect what you did, Fitz," um, because where I come from, blah blah blah. Uh, yeah, the the value of life is is much much lower there so all right well from here let's take a look at we have three different groupings that that i would like to follow and um the first the first grouping let's let's start with daisy deke and and may and and their their mission so daisy deke and may they pick up robin and and robin's mom um robin's not speaking she's not drawing it's been a couple weeks something's overwhelmed her and Daisy wants to find out what's on her mind. So Daisy and Robin, well, Daisy talks to Robin, but does not connect. She tries very hard, fails utterly as she's just almost begging, asking for help to find Philip J. Colson. No results. Uh, the mom says, I thought we'd have until she was 13 before she completely tuned me out. Um, Daisy takes a look at the last drawing that Robin drew, though, and it's a drawing of the death scene when Robin was was stabbed in the lighthouse uh, in her old age. Meanwhile, uh, she sees May and calls May mommy. And there's a connection that's made there. I told you Flint would, would get you back. Well, when did she tell her Flint would get her back in the future? She's unstuck in time and she's bouncing back and forth. Um, So Robin's very glad May is there. She speaks with May. May tries to be reassuring, but they need to find Philip J. Colson. Um, 
and and Robin says, yes, he will put the pieces together. May says, I'm lost without him. Robin says he's going to die. I say, yeah, everyone is going to die eventually. I mean, that's not yeah. – you know, a little more details, right? And then they see the drawing of Coulson and someone else uh, with, a, with three mountains in the backdrop. And they use that drawing to find where they think Coulson is. And ugh, we'll talk about it. But Robin asks her real mom to come and sit next to her and they reconnect. And um, May promises we're going to keep you safe in the lighthouse and we're going to use the drawing to find Coulson. Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> if I have one problem with this episode, it's it's the mountain thing. They're using a child's drawing of three mountains to find the, a very specific place in a very large area of the world. I mean, even if you just bring it down to, you know, one mountain range um, and they use that to find three mountains that are exactly like she has drawn them exactly proportional. So that they're able to actually use this with a computer algorithm to find the place where they think Colson is. There's the only place in the world where those three mountains look, where three mountains look like that. It, it, it no, <laughs> too much. Yeah, it would have made more sense if she drew the devil's tower, you know, yeah, from close encounters. Yeah. Or yeah. something like that. Something more of a yeah, unique shape. A, a unique shape, a, a landmark that's more recognizable. Um, yeah, like a, an oddly shaped mountain, at least. Like those those three mountains were just, they just looked exactly like any child's drawing of a mountain would look like. And yeah, anything. It just, you know, one mountain goes way up high over with this peak over here. And then this other one, you know, it's like twin you know peaks that are facing each other or something like that. And, you know, this, oh, it, it, it irritated me. It shouldn't have maybe. Because I did like this episode a lot. But when I saw that happen, I groaned. Yeah. I groaned. And Robin, especially at this age, because she is so young, she's not Rembrandt. She's not Michelangelo. She's not Da Vinci. She's, (laughs) I mean, and then she gets the shape of the mountain, right? Well, on the other hand, she's psychic. It's her inhuman power. all right, and, and <laughs> your plot device. Yeah, I mean, we have to roll with it, and I guess yeah. this is one of those. Say to your show, say to yourself, it's just a show. You should really just relax. Yeah. But oh yeah, yeah, it bothered me. It's this episode's ninety years in the future, and Deke is somehow their thirty-some grand-year-old grandchild. You no. know, yeah, yeah. Although yeah. we, we've got feedback that addresses this for us. Okay. Yes. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. Okay. But, um, okay. but what I do love is this whole, the whole idea of Robin and, you know, you call her psychic. There's, there, it's not quite psychic though. She is unstuck in time. She knows the future because she, her consciousness is bouncing around through time in her body and so she's having conversations in the future that are continued in the past. And she's referencing things from the future that 
luckily enough, you know, with, with May, she was talking to May in May's past, but in Robin's future. And then when Robin or when May returned to the past, May was able to sit down with Robin in the past and continue that conversation with this past version of Robin. And I, I love the idea of how this all works. And it also sets up a good uh, weakness for Robin. Robin yes. doesn't just know the future. She draws the future. And that's one thing that's, that's kind of fun and unique. But then the, uh, the flip side of that is she's not always available to give you the answers you want. And so she could be all seeing, all knowing, but instead she, you know, what, what Robin are you getting? Are you getting her from five hours in the future? Are you getting her from five decades in the future? Are you getting her from five years in the past? And I, I love this character and I love what they're doing with her. I wish she would have drawn different mountains, (laughs) but, but beyond (laughs) that, I, I just love this idea and I love as people know, I, I love time travel, and this is a really, really unique and interesting and fun way to play with time travel tropes, uh, and very different than than really almost anything that that I've seen with using time travel. I'm sure that someone has done a story similar to this in oh, the '70s a couple I times can, or something. But. Oh no, 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 no! Within a few years ago, I can think of a story like this. Um, Doctor Who. <laughs> I was going to guess that. <laughs> of course. Um, but uh, Neil, oh, I forget his name. Anyways, there's a few years ago when Matt Smith was the doctor, there was an episode called The Doctor's Wife. And in that episode, it's nothing to do with River Song. But uh, actually, you could have this like, as like a standalone episode if you have a new person coming in watching the, the series. Um, but in that episode, the consciousness of the TARDIS is taken out of the TARDIS and put into the oh, body yeah, of the I woman. I did see that one. And this woman, because the, the TARDIS exists across all of time and space, the TARDIS doesn't think linearly. And I think that's the same sort of concept that Robin is dealing with she's not thinking linearly she's thinking relatively well she's not just not thinking linearly she's not living linearly true and i actually you you mentioned river song that actually is i think also a similar situation where their relationship is not linear and so just like with may and robin where their relationship is not linear uh it's the same kind of thing where they're their first meeting is River's first meeting, but not the doctor's first meeting. You know, he's met her before, but this is the first time she's met him because he's met her in the past. Or the future. I can't remember which direction it goes in, but you know, the same thing happens then when he meets, when he meets her for the first time, she already knows him and it's knows him well, wobbly. you know, and, yeah. uh, and that, that whole season, uh, again, I, I love time travel and that I did watch most of, if not all of, I think all the Matt Smith episodes. It was it was Peter Capaldi where I kind of dropped away. And, yeah, you did. Uh, and so, yeah, I and I love that concept of of the relationship that, um, where she she won't give spoilers. You know, like uh, that was that was her basically her catchphrase was spoilers. You know, and uh, so she wouldn't tell him anything about his future uh, as they are slowly. Um, yeah, 
going through time and and finding finding out more about each other and yeah it was that was a fantastic uh fantastic fantastic uh, uh through line for the for the characters yeah so i'm enjoying what they're doing with robin all that to say <laughs> <laughs> daisy i'm not enjoying as much uh i i yeah i i just wanted to, i just wanted to get find colson so she can snap out of it well, I, I'm actually underwhelmed with Daisy because they're saying, oh, Daisy, she's, she's you know, being so hard on us right now. And then you cut to Daisy and no, she's just being very single minded. Well, with Deke, <laughs> Deke is projecting. He is like he is. He comes in and, and sees Daisy. Oh, sorry, I'm late. Uh, I, and, and she just kind of looks at him like, what? And he's, oh, yeah, yeah. OK, um, I'm just going to go ahead and, and go over there now. And um and Daisy and May just look at each other. Is is he late? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. She's not going after him. He's projecting and, and kind of saying, oh, she's she's had it with me today. <laughs> He's just. Yeah. Uh, but then Simmons and, and and Fitz are both saying, yeah, we've noticed. And well, why? Because huh? she is the one thing that's sta- standing in the way of them doing what they want to do. So yeah. that's why they've noticed it. Yeah. But the problem here is she's not stepping up and being the great leader that Coulson believes she can be. And because her whole focus is just on finding Coulson and letting him be the leader. Yeah. Cause I, I, yeah, she's, I, I think, <sighs> Yeah, she could lead lead the team. But I yeah, she's clearly not ready to do that yet. So here we are in this denial bargaining stage. Yeah, yeah. Yet again. Or still. <laughs> yep. Um Yeah. So but, yeah, they're not quite ready to let Phil go. Well, what what has to happen is one of two things and Either Coulson has to die, so she then will choose to step up, or they have to find Coulson so she doesn't have to step up. Or, I guess the third option is they find Coulson and Coulson pushes her to step up, and she finally does. But right now, she is not leading well. She is she is not connecting with the people that she is working with. She is not listening. Uh, she is just doing – she has her agenda – and her agenda is everyone else's agenda because she's the leader. And that's kind of how she's looking at it. And and that's not the way it works. You know, you, you don't lead that way. Um, if you're going to lead that way, then you need to do it in such a way that you make everyone else think it's their idea. So that your agenda can happen because it was their idea to do the thing that, that needed to be done. Uh, not just forcing everyone and, and you know, choosing yeah. and... In some ways, she's kind of doing for Simmons. She's, yeah. I mean, Daisy is making the hard choices now, doing these things that no one thinks should be done. Like, should we find Robin? We got other things we should go after. Yeah. But then again, Daisy's also been sort of pushed into this position herself. Other people made the hard choices for her, and now she's making hard choices. And can you blame her for not wanting to let Fitz out? No. <laughs> no. 
And this is where Simmons is not doing a very good job of following her leader. Uh, clearly not doing a very good job, as we're going to talk about, of following her leader. Because she's going against what her leader wants. But she's also not trying to understand why her leader is saying this. You know, the, the team leader is saying Fitz stays in there because Fitz did terrible things. And Simmons can't get past her own agenda. And this is the fracturing is, is really what it is. This is the fracturing. Yeah. Which is, uh, she's trying to heal her relationship with Fitz. <laughs> yeah. Should we move to them now? All right. Uh, the, the trio of betrayers is what I called them, but yeah, the invincible three, but I, <laughs> yeah. Okay. There's a lot. There's a lot going on here. We've got Mac and Yo-Yo. They have some banter time, but the banter time ends with Yo-Yo just getting really serious and saying, I want you to let Fitz out of his cell. And he says, no. I mean, he's going to follow. He, he's following his leader and because he understands why she's, she's put him in charge of what she's done with him. And this is where she says, I, I know the future. And it's interesting. She's talking about the future. She's kind of living in the future in some ways, uh, counting on that future happening. And he's living in the moment. And something interesting gets said. We Actually, let's park on this for a moment. Okay. Uh, she says, you can't protect me forever. And he says, did you ever stop and think you're alive in the future? Because I did. Hmm. That's – this is where we're getting into – not just free will, but you know, the time loop and everything like that. And we did not see Mac in the flashbacks to the future of the, the future past of the lighthouse. Uh, when they're, you know, dealing with all of the emergency stuff, Mac wasn't really seen that I remember. And no, he wasn't there. Yeah. I remember so, that. He was not there and neither was Coulson or Daisy. Right. Well, well, because Daisy had her own little thing with the, the Quinjet. Um, right. But. Yeah. Did you ever stop and think you're alive in the future because I did because I protected you and. Yeah, this is where, OK, yes, these three might be invincible because we've seen their future. They have not seen Mac's future. Yo-Yo might say I'm invincible, but she cares about Mac. And, yeah. you know, if I were her, I'd be trying to break the time loop just to, you know, let Mac live or whatever. But, yeah, you know, he'd, he'd be worth saving, too. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. he's Mac. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Uh, He's he's the big muscle that you know is just truly a big squishy heart in the center. <laughs> so you're you're saying he's he's the tootsie pop of oh yeah yeah got the hard and even, strong yeah, even exterior the hard, but, yeah even the hard strong exterior is very sweet so <laughs> the metaphor works all right yes <laughs> so he says no you're not going to do this and then Mac and Yo Yo go and they find Simmons. And Simmons has set up a science experiment, uh, yeah. a science experiment that I want to call 
the Iocane Battle of Wits. Does that trigger anything <laughs> for you, Samantha? Uh, all I remember throughout this entire scene was just feeling very, very tense. <laughs> well, I expect Simmons to just say, so it is down to you and it's down to me. And to take out the powder that has no smell, she puts it into one goblet and then she switches the goblets and, you know, she, you drink the one and it's got the poison, drink the one and does not have the poison. And and then Vicini says, you know, never enter a land war in Asia. Um, but it just reminds me of Princess Bride and that whole scene, the battle of wits that the Vicini and, uh, and Wesley have. The difference is it's one person. There's four glasses. One of them has poison. Three of them have water. And she downs three of them because she's invincible. And this is going to prove that they're right. She's invincible. And then she starts getting super sick. And we cut to commercial. So my question to you, Samantha, is you sent a picture of your notes saying you were feeling tense. Yes. Is this the moment or is it a different moment that you were feeling tense? This was the moment. Okay. I I expected that to be the case. But yeah, as this is happening in my mind, I'm just thinking there is no way. (laughs) There's no way they're going to kill her off here just to make a point, you know. Um, So what's the deal? Now, they do a double fake out. She's not really sick. So she was faking the sickness. But the double fake out is this. That fourth glass actually had the poison in it. Uh, And I might have chosen that one. I didn't because we are invincible. All I kept thinking about was her baby. I know. She's going to make herself sick because she because she. She said that all the poison does is make her really feel really sick. Well, they pour they pour it onto the uh, metal <laughs> table and it starts boiling. Yeah, yeah, it, it did everything short of actually like burning through the metal. But um, yeah, and Which, so they that becomes the diversion that causes Mac to let Fitz out because Fitz is really the only person who could actually help her by getting the right things to counteract the poison that she has taken. And then they let Fitz out and Yo-Yo shoves Mac into the cell. Uh, and You know, I don't, I don't think they had to go through all this trouble. If what if, you know, they had given Fitz like some, you know, access to a computer where he could remotely help them in an, in an investigation. That would be a happy middle, would it not? That is a solution. Yes. That is a solution. It is not their solution, but it is a solution. (sighs) Yeah. And I just, in my notes, I wrote all caps, betrayal. And, ugh. And then we get some interesting, so, well, do you want to, you want to talk more about the, (laughs) the trick, the, the betrayal, or should we move into the time loop now? Oh, no. I want to move into that gun that you Yo-Yo mishandled. That's the time loop thing. Yeah. Because yeah. Yo-Yo says to Mac, if for some reason I don't come back, it means... And then she gets interrupted. Simmons says, we will have broken the time loop. And Fitz says, we can't break the time loop. And, and then <laughs> Yo-Yo says, if you really believe that, Fitz, it means we're in no danger. Bam! <laughs> and the gun goes off. 
shoots right through between Fitz and Simmons. And again, baby. About stomach level. Yep. Again, baby. Yeah. yeah. And my big thing right here is Fitz keeps saying we can't break the time loop. We can't break the time loop. But all the stuff he's doing is working against the time loop. True. Like yes. if you can't break the time loop, why why bother closing up the fear dimension? Because, because that was a possible point, way that the earth was going to be destroyed, you know? And so why do anything? Fitz particularly, I mean, why why would Fitz do anything if he thinks they can't break the time loop? Because Fitz knows that the earth has not shattered yet and there's still a chance to save it. He might be complaining the entire way. He might be like my grandpa who complains the entire way, but he gets the job done. And, and that might be. I just, if you're going to work at it, Fitz, shut up and just do it. Yeah. You know, quit, quit saying it can't be broken if you're going to keep working at breaking it. Yes. Because so far, what they've proven is if they are invincible, it's not going to get broken. Someone... You know, something has to happen to break it, and that means that as soon as the time loop is broken, they are not going to uh, be invincible anymore. Hmm. So, maybe haps. Oh, I just entered a dark corner of possibilities. <laughs> do you want to share, or do you want to not go in the darkness? <laughs> and- I, I will share... What if the key to saving the planet is if Yogo dies or, somehow? Or Simmons. Or Simmons. Or Fitz. I mean, any one of those three, yeah. if they, if any one of those three dies, it doesn't necessarily save the planet, but it proves that it can be done. Yes. Yeah. And we do need yeah. to talk about who is being prophesied to die, and, and that's Coulson. But... Yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll get there. What if Yogo is, be, goes into that chamber to turn her into the destroyer of worlds instead of of um, Daisy or Ruby? Yeah, you know? I, yeah. I I don't know. I mean, we'll just have to wait and see on that. Yeah, because there's a lot of what ifs as far as that chamber is concerned. <laughs> And it's not even complete yet. Nope. No. But Which is maybe a good thing? Maybe. Question mark? Well, if it never gets completed. But they, no one knows still who or what destroys the Earth. All they know is the phrase, destroyer of worlds, was used to describe Daisy, who was seen coming off a Quinjet before the Earth was destroyed. Like, that's really, I think, all that we have that goes along with, is Daisy the destroyer of worlds? Yeah. Oh, okay. Irony. Yes? So they're in an effort to, they're trying to find gravitonium. But instead, it's the gravitonium that destroys the world. We'll, we'll talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, we is that what well, you want to talk about? Might as well get into it now because might as well. they're talking about, I mean, the, the prophecy, quote unquote, it's not really a prophecy. It's yo-yo telling yo-yo what 
Yo-Yo saw uh, when Yo-Yo was in the past. And now that Yo-Yo has returned back to the past, Yo-Yo is remembering what Yo-Yo said. And and what Yo-Yo said to Yo-Yo was um, saving Coulson is what destroyed the earth. You can't save Coulson. He has to die. And if you try to save Coulson, the earth will be destroyed. Like those are connected. Now, saving Coulson may not be what destroys the earth, but trying to save Coulson is connected to the destruction of the earth. Okay. So what, what do we know about saying Coulson is dying? Yes. Yes. And that's okay. So that's point two is he's got this whole death thing going on where he has this death flesh that's dying, a, a deathly dying uh, in inside his own body. Right. Yes. So we're all focused on that, saving him from the death disease that he has. But Creel points out that the Gravitonium wants to kill Coulson. And so what if the thing that they need to save Coulson from or that Yo-Yo is telling Yo-Yo not to save Coulson from is not the death disease that he has, but saving him from the Gravitonium that wants him dead? And um, yeah, I hate to break it to you, but I've had this thought before too. Well, I had it with this episode. I didn't have it before this episode, but um, because the the gravitonium specifically wants him dead. Why? Because you got a guy, uh, two guys in there who don't like Coulson, and so saving him from getting pulled in w- would cause the gravitonium to get angry and, and destroy the world. Well, if you let him just be taken. Or, or something like that, because now they set up at the end of this episode. First, at the beginning of the episode, Creel starts to get pulled in, but gets out. At the end of the episode, we see uh, Quinn and Reyna, and Quinn gets pulled in. And so you have Quinn and um, Professor Hall inside the Gravitonium, and they want revenge, or at least one of them wants revenge on Coulson. Oh, dear. Um, re- uh Reyna was there too. Yeah. Why? Well, it was four years ago and Reyna and the Gravitonium were partners. Something like that. Now, I I recall that Reyna, once she became, uh, once went through the cocoon and she changed that she could see visions, but this is pre-vision, Reyna. Yes, And she mentioned Garrett, which I – did that have anything to do with it? I don't know. Well, I I think that the idea here is that Reyna is the one who ended up with the Gravitonium as all of the Hydra and S.H.I.E.L.D. falling stuff was happening. Okay. So Reyna is the one who gets the Gravitonium. Garrett's dead, I think, at this point. Um, And she's with Quinn, and the idea here is that she's – you know, I, this is a covenant. This is a, a, a con, uh, an agreement or whatever. You know, and uh, I've and, and he Quinn thinks she's brought the gravitonium to him, but in reality, she's brought him to the gravitonium. The gravitonium wanted Quinn, and I'm wondering if you know it's it's Hall in there saying, if I can't get out of here, I'm gonna get the guys who put me in here. And Quinn was one part of of the reason that he, that Hall ended up in there. Coulson, of course, is is another part of that. Yeah. 
And but the terrible thing is too, what if being sucked into the gravitonium keeps Coulson alive? Of course, then again, I can see Coulson making that sacrifice. Yeah. Uh, but you're right though. And and what if we're looking at Coulson going into the chamber? Yeah. And becoming the destroyer of worlds. Um, not literally, then, but but becoming a powerful being who's able to take on Hall with, with the gravitonium. What I what I like about this is in episode 100 we had uh, Mike Peterson return. The first mission for our team was Mike Peterson, and he returns and is part of this episode 100. But we have this kind of almost first superpowered villain. Um, almost <laughs> with with Hall becoming something more and and being one of their first I don't know if you would call it a failure but it was a it's definitely a moral quandary that they were facing with with the whole situation there in that episode and so as the he's not quite Q but you know in Star Trek Next Generation uh, the first episode is Picard on the Enterprise and they encounter Q and they are given a test. And then in the final episode, it's another test from Q, um, which involves a lot of time travel, by the way. But um, <laughs> but that that might be the kind of thing we're looking at here is Hall is from the beginning. And now here at the end, quote unquote, because we don't know what's going to happen about being renewed. At the end here, we have Hall coming back and wanting revenge for being stuck inside the melty tinfoil ball for four years. <laughs> Or more. Gravitonium. Yeah. 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 So let's talk about um, Coulson and all the people in the evil league of evils base that we have here. <laughs> um, Hale tries to connect with Creel again and invites him to take that next step. We're both creations of Hydra. When we lose everything, we lose our footing. And, you know, don't disappoint me because Hale is definitely the kind of, of, uh, parent slash leader who uses disappointment in you as as a uh, discipline weapon um, meanwhile ruby and von strucker jr are working with von strucker seniors journals to figure out how the chamber works and there's no one journal that tells how it works it's like all these different journals and different portions of the different journals interesting uh that von strucker jr does not speak german yeah um but Ruby expects that Hale is up to something and she's worried about the timeline here and she's worked herself to the bone, trained her whole life. She wants to, you know, be the destroyer of worlds. Um, Creel, meanwhile, still tormented by visions. Um, we see Hall say, I see the future, Mr. Coulson. And so Creel goes to Coulson, confronts him very um, strongly and <laughs> Mentions that Gravitonium hates you and wants you dead, but then finds out that Talbot is Hale's prisoner. And so Creel is willing to listen to Coulson and actually help Coulson because they go and find Talbot, who's scolding himself for his hair and his beard. <laughs> and uh, when they see Talbot and where, where what's actually happening with Hale and Talbot, Creel gets pushed over the edge. He's going to help. And they uh, they go to escape as they go to escape. Hale sends Ruby to go and stop them. Uh, in the process of stopping the escape attempt, Coulson gets punched by a robot and Creel, he dies. Uh, his, his, his heart stops. 
Talbot pushes Creel to bring him back to life. Creel uses his powers to conduct electricity and give him a little uh, zap to the chest, brings him back to life. And then Creel stays back behind and fights while Coulson and Talbot use the transporter machine to transport out of the base and into the cold in front of three mountains that Robin drew. And in my notes, I wrote sigh <laughs> because I sighed. <laughs> um, and then Creel turns into wood to absorb the throwing disc that Ruby throws at him because Hale wants Creel alive, but Ruby is not as interested in Creel staying alive. And Hale confronts Ruby and says, who do you think you are? I'm the destroyer of worlds is the answer. And then Hale says, then go get them. So that is where we leave them. You know, evil or not, Creel has a really cool power set. Yes, he does. I really do like it. And I think in this episode, I think maybe in this version of him, maybe at this time in the universe, he's a little, he's gone a little bit soft in the middle. Or maybe he's just having like a clear consciousness sort of thing. I I agree. I think that you're exactly right. Because Uh, Talbot is his friend. Evil or not, he respects Talbot. I I wouldn't call Creel an evil character. Um, He is a selfish character and he has done wrong things for sure. But at at this point in time, he's not a villain. Uh, I don't know if he's a hero yet. But he's done some heroic things in this episode to help people. And he still threatens to, you know, kill Coulson. That's not a a heroic thing to to do usually. But I I agree with you about Creel. Yeah, because he touches the Gravitonium. He hears them arguing, not just one, but two people, which is a little hint for we'll talk about that later. Yeah, yeah. And his immediate thought is, this isn't right. The situation that I was presented with in the beginning is not right. I have to fix this somehow. I have to do something to stop this. So there are some little heroic traits that he's putting in there. He's trying to change things for the better. Or, well, he's trying to change things. He saves Coulson. And yeah. he wants to save Talbot and yeah. And, and he uses his powers in a really cool way. I love that he didn't turn into metal or concrete to let the thing bounce off of him. He turns into wood. So the, the spinning disc that she throws at him, like just sticks into his chest, Yeah, but it doesn't kill him. It just sinks in with a thud. And then I don't know how he's going to heal it up or, or, stitch it back together as far as how his power set will work with that. But it was a neat moment. And wood glue. <laughs> yes. Yes. When he changes back to flesh, it's going to be messy, but yeah, yeah, that works. Oh, then you, then you just get the super glue and that still works. Yeah. Well, hopefully. That's true. Yeah. yeah. You can use super glue instead of stitches. That's what it was invented for. Uh, uh, though I have used it before in that kind of situation where, and it doesn't last long. <laughs> <laughs> I have only used it for, um, you know, things. And I remember one day just accidentally sticking my finger and my thumb together. 
And this is when I was in junior high. And I just remember looking at it like, huh, what do I do here? And <laughs> fortunately, I had my dad and my dad um, got some gasoline out of the, the gas uh, container. And, and we used that and just kind of slowly worked at it. And my fingers came apart. But Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I like Creole. I like his arc here. And he's, it's another callback. Uh, this whole season, well, this this pod especially, we're getting all these callbacks to the beginning, and it's it's good. I like it. I, I like it a lot. I like that Creel is a genuine part of the story, and not just a evil doer to be nefarious and to be a, a henchman. Yeah. Um, I have another question about Creel. Okay. Did he or did he not make some sort of appearance in the X-Men universe? Um I don't think no, I don't think he specifically did. Cuz in the comic books he's he's absorbing man. Okay. Um and that's a, actually specifically a Thor villain is is where he started out. Um as far as I know, but there is I think some X-Men characters who have similar powers or an X-Men character who has a similar power. Um, okay. Because I, um, I have vague memory. I I think we have seen something in the X-Men movies similar to what he does. Okay. Because I watched Deadpool yesterday. Mm-hmm. It's wrong. Absolutely hilarious, but so wrong. <laughs> I was laughing in a way that I have not laughed in since high school. It was so funny wrong uh anyways um but i could have sworn that at some point that um deadpool mentions creel oh that's possible i don't yeah of course it's deadpool i mean he he makes fun of himself all the time throughout the entire movie um makes fun of ryan reynolds makes fun of wolverine um so, I mean, it's just, I mean, he's breaking the 16th wall. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, it's, yeah. It's, it, 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 he could have meant this Creel. He, he could have. Um, this character being a Thor specific villain um, would mean like the, you know, F- Fox doesn't have the rights to use the character unless he's also somehow a mutant you know, one of those kind of crossover characters like Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch being Avengers and X-Men. So you get them in two different movie universes in two different ways. But, yeah. Uh, so overall, I like this episode, but I didn't like things in the episode. And so the one thing that I didn't like that I wasn't supposed to like is the fracturing of the team. And I don't like Simmons and Fitz and Yo-Yo doing you know dirty tricks I, I, but you know as far as deke is concerned that's what you got to do you got to do what you got to do play dirty if it's what it takes to survive um i didn't like the mountain thing i don't think i was supposed to not like it but i didn't like it so i didn't like that but i did like these character arcs that we're seeing these our characters go in and the return of professor hall love it 
Love it. I'm curious if we're actually going to see him as an actor or if he's just going to be a lump of <laughs> melted uh, aluminum foil. But I'm going to go rewatch that episode three again of the entire series. Yeah. Gonna, just, just to watch it again. That's not a bad idea. Yeah. Homework. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have homework. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Overall, what's what's your what's your overall take then? Yeah, this is it's 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 another continuing episode, but it's it does throw some interesting things in there. Um, Creel has a character arc. Uh, um, we see some close calls with Fitz and Simmons and and uh, um, Yogo with that gun. Oh, that scared me. And oh, oh, also the acid. Brilliant idea, by the way. Not. Um, <laughs> there's, uh, there's only one way to really prove it. You can't just get wounded. You know, wounding doesn't prove anything. Um, it's got to be death. But ugh. I, <laughs> I, I'm with you. I, I, I'm with Mac. I'm with Fitz, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> as far as that goes, but, uh, but I think it's sad that, um, Robin wasn't speaking to her mother for a couple weeks. And then once May came in and said, mommy to her, mm-hmm. um, which is also kind of heartbreaking too. Um, but you did have that moment at the end. Yeah. Where she says, mommy come sit by me. And she wasn't talking to May. Right. So at least there was that. <laughs> yeah, actually, that did that did feel better. But if this was my child and she was suddenly calling a strange woman mommy, uh, I'd feel a little heartbroken. Yes, even if you knew that woman and that woman was May and you knew that your child was unstuck in time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I... You're, ugh, I, I can't uh, imagine. It'd be awful. It'd be awful. It, yeah, it 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 would be, would be certainly. All right. Uh. Well, and, and so my my last thing, I guess, is uh, I lost track of what my last thing was going to be. <laughs> oh, the whole invincible thing. Uh, you can walk through. I mean, if if I'm them, I'm walking through life maybe feeling a little better about things. But I am not going to put it to the test. I, I am not going to do the uh, Iocane Battle of Wits with myself. Um, no. Oh no! Absolutely not. <laughs> no. No. Just what? How many PhDs are there in that threesome? And I know it's just really between Fitz and Simmons. How many PhDs are there? And they thought this was a great idea. Well, Simmons really? was the only one who was doing that part of it, but True. all three of them are kind of taking the whole "we're invincible" thing. No, no, nope. don't be reckless. No, no, no. You know what? Actually, I think I think Yoga was in on it too. Yes, yes, yeah. she was. But still, Fitz, no. Fitz wasn't. But yeah, Yoga was. No, this is yeah, not intelligent. No. No, and it's it's frustrating me. They're 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 bordering on you know. Best case, they're making really poor decisions. Worst case, they're insane. 
Like this is, yeah, this is bad. Uh, this this uh, invincibility complex that they have. So I, yeah. yes, if you this this is this this is the big moral of the story that we're going to give you here. Uh, if you find yourself getting a vision of yourself in the future. Uh, do not take that to mean that you can walk in traffic. Do not take that to mean that you can, you know, uh, jump off a building because you're going to get saved. Um, interestingly enough, though, uh, I just finished listening to the entire Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy series, uh, the the audio drama versions, and Arthur Dent has a very similar arc where basically he doesn't he doesn't worry about anything because he knows there's a fixed point in time where someone will try to kill him. And so he must be alive until that point in time comes. But then the point in time happens in a way that he was not expecting it to. And all bets are off. Mm. And once you start playing with time, you're, 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 no, no, just, you still need to be careful. You still need to take care of yourself. Yeah. That may be what we see, what happens. Is that all of that reckless behavior has consequences. And I think the reckless behavior, the the consequences of that reckless behavior are probably going to involve Mac. Yeah. My my prediction is not putting Mac on death watch, but that the consequences of Yo-Yo's recklessness will involve Mac somehow saving her life in a way that causes him to I, I don't know I don't know I, I'm not putting Loose him on death legs watch, but, oh gosh <laughs> maybe yeah and then they're become a cyborg family but yep all right well we need to to move over and do some uh listener feedback so let's let's do it all right shield field report so uh agent Dylan wrote in and remember how I told you we, we had some math coming our way Yes. Um, uh, well, here it comes. Uh, Agent Dylan writes in and says, uh, subject, rise and shine and inside voices. Agents, I did the math. Based on Jeff Ward's age, Deke should be around 31. So Fitzsimmons' daughter would likely have been 38 to 42 when she had him because uh, 5A, which is what he's calling the, the first pod here, takes place in 2091, 73 years in the future. The agents are currently in 2018 based on the timeframes established in Rise and Shine, as well as a flashback from Inside Voices. That being said, I believe they were taken from the diner in late 2016 since season four had a very compressed time frame. One thing to keep in mind is that time passed more quickly inside the framework compared with the outside, as in Tron. May experienced her whole life from 2008's Bahrain incident through the events of uh, season four pod C over the course of 12 episodes In rewind. I was able to count 182 visible monkeys on a 14 by 13 grid, two columns, seven to a column, assuming each monkey represents a day that makes six, six months of monkeys that I could see on the screen. Speaking of monkeys, Fitz was Bobo to Deke because of course he was, I have updated my timeline. He actually has a timeline he's been sending to me. So on some other stuff, who, 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 Obviously, the main re- obviously the reason Robin was being quite quiet was because she saw Infinity War early, and Thanos <laughs> demands silence. <laughs> also, <laughs> also she may have seen her mother die. Just saying. 
Why did she make Coulson a ginger, by the way? You know, it's funny. All that Robin stuff had me missing Reyna. And who shows up in the post-credits? A post-credits, by the way, that certainly explains why Dr. Quinn had a discount version on Inhumans. Um, yeah, and it does. Uh, this is me butting in again. But um, Dr. Quinn, it, one of those just little threads that we just kind of had left hanging that we just didn't even think about. We were thinking about Gravitonium, but Dr. Quinn, not so much. Uh, wait, where was I? Ah, yes. She says Coulson dies, but to save the world, he has to die. So now we know for sure he's dead soon, no matter which timeline. The question is, how does Coulson dying save the Earth? Unless the key lies in Yo-Yo's verbiage. You need to let him go. It's Coulson dying on his own terms that saves the world. Him living long enough to get killed. Um, <laughs> then he puts, uh, and he struck out to extract the Infinity Stone inside him. Um, apparently that is supposed to happen. So that is Agent Dylan signing off and then hashtag trip lives and then hashtag trip lives twice because I forgot to put it in my last correspondence. And then he sends in a supplemental comment. Uh, one other thing, true, the spaceship Kovas showed Coulson and Hale looks nothing like Thanos's ship from Thor Ragnarok, but it does look like one of the four wings of the Chitari mothership from Avengers. And guess who is behind that attack? So, Stuart, here is your Tigger moment, if you would like it, uh, that the ship looks similar to the Chitari mothership stuff that was going on. Thanos is involved in that. Sure, sure. Um, but it doesn't look like what we've seen in trailers and in Thor Ragnarok. So, I still maintain the the wise Kanga role. <laughs> so uh, speaking of, and I still maintain that eventually the shield and the rest of the MCU will somehow connect. Even if it is just one person handing off some helicarrier carriers to another or somebody, or, I we'll will out. not say that you're wrong. Uh, I okay. do think it is going to connect. I just don't think it's going to connect quite the way people like, Stuart think it is going to. Yeah, I, I just no longer think that we're going to see certain characters, Coulson, show up in, in the movie. Yeah. Not this one. Hank Harwell wrote in uh, and said, so listening to the podcast on the episode Rise and Shine leads me to wonder if the Tiggers, uh, he's talking about you and, and Stuart, uh, realize that if Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is really connected to Infinity War, then that means that the Avengers failed Thanos cracked the world and there is no memory of the superheroes other than in humans. I'm not sure I want to go see a big screen film where the heroes are soundly defeated and the world undergoes a cataclysmic shattering. I think Ben is at least being cautiously rational here. And then he says, hashtag I stand with Kanga. Um, he, he's saying I'm being rational in saying that the um, thing that they're going to stop is not related to Thanos, but it's something else altogether. Um. Okay. Yeah. So. That is rational, but sometimes I enjoy being a little bit an irrational, <laughs> especially yep. when it's not imperative to life, such as I was going to say, know, you and show. Simmons <laughs> being irrational together. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but I'm not the one who's threatening to drink acid or whatever that is. You know, I'm I'm just saying this is a TV show. <laughs> truth i will i will become irrational about 
a plot in a TV show. There you go. <laughs> All right. Would you like to hear from a listener or hear from a Daniel? Let's go ahead and listen to the listener first. All right. Hi, this is Agent Diana Prince calling in for the first time uh, regarding episode, I think it was 16, Inside Voices. I really enjoyed this episode. I love the Robin, Mom, and May component that was very touching where the mom realizes that she's not going to be in the future. Uh, I love the fact that everybody was commenting on what a hard-ass Daisy has been since she took over the reins. Uh, being a leader, I recognize how difficult that can be sometimes. I really enjoyed figuring out in the post credit scene who the arguing voices in Creel's head was. And I think my favorite thing about all of it is that Kovas or Kovash or whatever his name is from the Confederacy is being played by the same gentleman who plays Lemuel in Midnight, Texas. So some of my favorite things have intertwined. Anyway, I really love the show. I really enjoy the podcast. Have a great day. All right. First of all, um, <laughs> was that Agent Diana Prince? I think she said da Diana uh... Prince. Yeah. I didn't catch that the first time I listened to the, when I first got the, the voicemail. So, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And, uh, Midnight Texas, I'm not familiar with. I actually just looked it up to see what it is. Um, I am looking who it says Midnight Texas follows the lives of the inhabitants of a small town where the concept of normal is relative, a haven for vampires, witches, psychics, hitmen, and others with extraordinary backgrounds. Midnight gives outsiders a place to belong. Um, mm. I don't know if that's from Wiki or, or what, but that does sound like it's relevant to our interests. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not sure what network it's on. I don't see it either. Huh. Yeah. Well, so, oh, NBC. It's on NBC. Yeah. Huh. I did not know about this. Well, if it's on NBC, then I'm wondering if it's on uh, Hulu. Uh, Hulu, yeah. yeah. Well, we'll look into it. <laughs> okay. So maybe I found another uh, series to, to watch while I'm doing some of my getting healthier workout times. Because I'm trying to get healthier. Again. Okay. Go for it. Yeah. All right, let's hear from Daniel. Hello, Agent. Agent Daniel calling in, calling in about uh, Rise and Shine and Inside Voices. I often don't use mine. Everybody watches these together and binge watch them, right? I, that's what I did, is I watched them at the same time, which was a pretty good experience. I know I've been pretty like me lately, but I, I did overall like these episodes that did, you know, find them to be enjoyable. I had a good time. Um, I do like the fact that these episodes are beginning to pull back things from season one. We, we're beginning to see that trend for a while now, but, you know, it's all connected, and I, I do feel like as someone who has been there since the beginning, they're, they're giving me some payoffs. They see familiar faces, past seasons, and we get to hear war of what happened that we didn't know about. I mean, for heaven's sakes, man, he, there's two people in that gravitorium. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't want to say it, but it does seem like maybe they began to 
frame this season five being the last one. We're going to pull out all the stops. And speaking of all the stops, you know, I think you guys sometimes miss the boat. And I don't think that Colson has the full thing. Come on. Come on. Snap out of it. But I am beginning to think that maybe this thing that the Cree or, or the Confederacy is promising to protect Earth from might be Thanos. Because we do know Thanos does have a giant fleet. And we know that Thanos is coming to the Earth. And we know that now. So I don't know. Maybe. Maybe it is Thanos that's coming. Um, maybe the forecast is looking more and more likely like a hot mess. So, but yeah, I, overall, I like these episodes. Don't know how I feel about evil Fitzsimmons all the time. Um, go team, stash is back. And trimmed it very nicely. See how it works. Daniel, use your inside voice. <laughs> use your inside voice. Shh, calm down. It's going to be okay. <laughs> oh, Daniel. Daniel, Daniel. Thank you, Daniel, for brightening our day, calling in, and um, not using your inside voice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what did you say? <laughs> <laughs> My mind is, I'm a little loopy he- right now. Um, I think he said, <laughs> because actually I, I, from the way you had it set up, I couldn't hear part of it, no. but I think he, he was, um, beginning to think that, yeah, that it maybe Thanos, maybe not. If Thanos shows up with a fleet, then yes, I, I think that's a very easy way for them to just say the agents of shield were you know dealing with one ship. While the the Avengers and all the other movie stars were dealing with the other stuff, you could do that. Um, yeah, that's that's the direct direction I am thinking it it will go. And and we will see, and we'll see if I'm proven wrong because I don't think it will go that way. It could, but I don't think it is. And so time will tell, and and that's it. You know, I, again, not I, I'm not I'm not using the metaphor, <laughs> but um. We'll We'll see. All I know is Avengers Infinity War looks to be like it's going to be a fantastic movie. And Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D. season five is a fantastic season of television. If the two cross over nicely and meet very closely in the middle. Great. That's awesome. And if they don't. Great. We're getting two awesome things. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm just wondering what if that ship that we saw in the show, in the flashbacks in the past couple episodes, lands, the door opens, and there's, oh, Cassius. And, uh, oh gosh, what's her name? Sonara. Oh, if, Sonara. It could be. It could not be. I don't know. I do think we have not seen the last of Cassius. I agree. Well, I think that's an episode then. And uh, uh, do you have any anything you'd like to add before we, we close this one down? Yes. I would like to say thank you to all the listeners out there and especially to Jeffrey, Adzi, and Andrew. 
thank you especially because you are Patreons and that makes you even cooler. <laughs> and I want to say thank you for listening and go to welcometheloveofseven.com to find out all the stuff you need to find out about. If you want to find out about anything, you can also go to patreon.com slash welcometheloveofseven to find out about becoming a, a patron or whatever they call it over there. A Patreon A patrons? Patreon patron, yeah. Something okay. like that, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's been a lot of fun and this has been a good episode and having Daniel call in like that just makes me think about the good old days, Samantha. And it's nothing against you and, and Stuart and, and uh, you know, when Evan stepped in, it's nothing against you guys. You guys are awesome. And I, I appreciate you. And I, I love that you guys are, are part of things here, but um, every once in a while, I just think about Daniel and how he's not really part of the podcast on the microphone anymore. And I'm lost without him. Thanks for listening to Welcome to Level 7. You've heard us, now we'd love to hear from you. Go to welcometolevel7.com slash feedback where you can contact us through our website. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling one seventy seven fifty five level 7 You can also join the lively conversation going on at facebook.com slash welcometolevel7 or connect with us on Twitter where we're level7pod. Yeah. Or remember, the 7 is spelled out. Our theme music is The Light Fantastic by J.S. Earls. You can find the that princess? at transplant.bandcamp.com. Welcome to Level 7 I as a accept. proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed oh, at Noodle.com. Hold on. I don't have the Learn how to podcast, line. get productive it's, in your personal professional life, theorize over TV oh, shows, laugh with our clean comedy, okay. delve into science fiction and philosophy, okay. learn critical thinking from there movie reviews, and more email. at okay. Noodle.mx. And once again, thanks for listening. Okay. Hey, Ben. Yeah? Guess what? What? I got a game for you. Okay. I challenge you to a battle of wits. For the princess? To the death? I accept. Good. Then pour the wine. Inhale this, but do not touch. I smell nothing. What you do not smell is called Iocane powder. It is odorless, tasteless, dissolves instantly in liquid, and is among the more deadlier poisons known to man. Hmm. All right. Where is the poison? The battle of wits has begun. It ends when you decide and both drink and find out who is right and who is dead. But it's so simple. All I have to do is divine from you what I know of you. Are you the sort of man who would put the poison into his own goblet or his enemies? Now, a clever man would put the poison into his own goblet because he would know that only a great fool would reach for what he was given. I'm not a great fool, so I can clearly not choose the wine in front of you. But you must have known I was not a great fool. You would have counted on it, so I can clearly not choose the wine in front of me. You've made your decision then. Not remotely, because Iocane comes from Australia, as everyone knows, and Australia is entirely populated with criminals, and criminals are used to having people not trust them, as you are not trusted by me, so I clearly cannot choose the wine in front of you. Truly, you have a dizzying intellect. Wait till I get going! Where was I? Australia. 
Yes, Australia. And you must have suspected that I would know the powder's origin, so I clearly cannot choose the wine in front of me. You're just stalling now. You'd like to think that, wouldn't you? You've beaten my giant, which means you're exceptionally strong. So you could have put the poison in your own goblet, trusting on your strength to save you. So I clearly cannot choose the wine in front of you. But you've also bested my Spaniard, which means you must have studied. And in studying, you must have learned that a man is mortal. So you would have put the poison as far from yourself as possible. So I can clearly not choose the wine in front of me. You're trying to trick me into giving away something. It won't work. It has worked. You've given everything away. I know where the poison is. Then make your choice. I will. And I choose. What in the world can that be? What? Where? I don't see anything. Oh, well, I could have sworn I saw something. No matter. (laughs) What's so funny? I'll tell you in a minute. First, let's drink me from my glass and you from yours. You guessed wrong. You only think I guessed wrong. That's what's so funny. I switched glasses when your back was turned. (laughs) You fool. You fell victim for one of the classic blunders. The most famous is never get involved in a land war in Asia, but only slightly less known is this. Never go in against a Sicilian when death is on the line.
what I thought was cheesy was at the end of season nine, the original ending to the X-Files series. I mean, he had a missile fired at him as he was dying of cancer. He was on fire. I mean, it was pretty clear that he died. I don't know how anyone would survive that. Well, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But So overall, uh, these last two seasons, there was good. There was some bad. Didn't need to do it. Don't mind that they did. That's my overall. What's your overall? I wouldn't. I would understand if they don't bring it, bring back the show. Um, and Jillian Anderson has said already that she's not coming back for season twelve. Though it has been largely speculated, it's because she's in contract negotiations over um, uh, pay. Because apparently, she's still not being paid as much as David Duchovny. Well, I thought they had um, taken care of that for this season. Maybe not. Maybe maybe not. I don't know. But um, from what I understand, it's it's all over. It's all because of contract negotiations. So there is no season twelve, from what I understand at this moment. But that may change in time. But I, I feel satisfied li- leaving it where it is. Me too. Don't need to resurrect it again, like they did with cigarette smoking man. <laughs> oh please no. Yeah. If they bring it back, I'll, I'll be okay. But. Yeah, just don't bring back the cigarette smoking man. He is done. <laughs> and he's done at Mulder's hand. And and yeah. for with with I mean Mulder struck him down with righteous anger. Yeah. Yeah. Because cigarette smoking man shot William and Mulder still thought that William was his son. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. All right. Very good. Thanks, Samantha. See you next week for whatever Agents of Shields episode is called next week. But Okay. I won't tell you. I saw it. Oh you (laughs) I won't tell you. I don't need to know. No. Thanks. Okay. All right. Later. Bye.